Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Last week I mentioned we talked about uh, coming to know God and, and getting in right relationship with Him. And we had a miraculous week, a hundred people uh, between our weekend and our midweek. Pretty awesome. So that really was miraculous, and, and God told me, this is, I've, only, I've only had this happen a couple times in our short history as a church, that God would give me like four weeks in advance of what he wanted me to talk about, and it was very crystal clear. I would say maybe the clearest I, have, I had any, for any message I've preached in the history of our church is he said the 14th of March will be a day to remember where people come in in bondage and leave free. It was crystal clear. And I'm not talking about, like, I, I get headaches every once. I'm talking about, like, I, I've been addicted to heroin since I was 14. Like, heavy darkness that was going to be evicted today. So we're going to have fun, tell some jokes, keep it light. But I do want you to know my intention is, is to create an environment of faith that God can, can invade. And uh, I, I'm excited to, to share this with you today. I'm talking about freedom. Is that okay? I might be the youngest preacher you've ever heard use the word bondage. I know it's not a trendy word today. We don't preach messages anymore about darkness or bondage, uh, but it still exists, believe it or not. Or not. Um, (laughs) So uh, we're going to have a good time today, but I promise we'll have a good time. So if you have your Bible, uh, John chapter 8, Exodus chapter 8, I'm going to read about eight verses out of both collaboratively together. And uh, I want to talk to you today on the subject. My, My title of my message today is Far, Far Away. Say it with me, Far, Far Away. I want to talk to you today about far, far away on the subject matter of freedom. Before I jump in today, because I know some of you, you make up your mind if you're going to listen in the very beginning, and let me give you uh, two reasons why not to fall asleep today. Is that all right? Reason number one is uh, really C.S. Lewis said it best to cover both, actually. He said, the devil's favorite audiences are the skeptics and the superstitious. I believe when it pertains to the deeper things of God, as as it deals with even freedom, All of us probably believe, most of us believe that maybe if Jesus is real, we can go to heaven. But very few people actually live as free as Jesus died to allow us to live. And there's two groups in every church. You have the skeptic that goes, there is no darkness, there is no demons, and there is no devil. That is the devil's favorite audience, followed by his other favorite audience, the superstitious that see devils, demons, and darkness under everything. They see devils under every rock. They want messages on deliverance uh, 65 Sundays out of the year, which is impressive because there's only 52. Um, But I would tell you today, whether you're a skeptic and you're like, there's no such thing as a demonic world or a dark world or evil or collusion of darkness, that's not real. I'm telling you that if you live skeptical your life, you will be bullied by those powers without knowing it. And if you live superstitious, that you're like, oh, everything's the devil, and this cold is the devil, and I, my, I need reading glasses. That's the devil, and we live in a fallen world. Are you with me? So I'm going to ask you to come back to the middle. God told me this. He said the problem with most uh, theological errors is people react to them and create new errors. So in the pursuit of trying to like, oh, that's, they're crazy. Let's go as far the other way as we can. And you end up creating a secondary error. Does that make sense? 
So today, I want to talk to you on the subject matter of freedom, uh, entitled Far, Far Away. John chapter 8, one of the funniest passages in the New Testament. You guys ready to laugh? Going to be a good day. John chapter 8, verse 31. It says this. Let's read together just uh, five verses here. It says, then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, who believed him. Who's he talking to? Say with me, believers. These are not skeptics. Listen to me, church. He's talking to those that believe. Notice the conversation he had with believers. If you abide in my word, you will be my disciples indeed. And here's that verse that your neighbors that don't know the Bible quote. Are you ready? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Come on, your neighbors that don't know the Bible, they, they cite that verse. You know, the ones who are like, yeah, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. Like, no, it doesn't actually. But I'm glad you think it does. You know, God is good to those that are good to, for themselves. Proverbs 32. Psalms 151. Listen to me. There's some famous verses, hear me today, that we cite all the time that we lose the significance of the power of it. He says that if you abide in my word, you will be my disciples indeed, and you will know the what? And the truth shall make you This is ahead of myself today, but I want to give you one key nugget for today. The level of honesty you embrace will determine the freedom you live. Truth and freedom travel together. And some of you are in deep holes of darkness because you have framed your life around harboring lies. So, that was heavy. Let's keep going. They answered and said, we are Abraham's descendants. This word, can I just read it like I probably, how it probably happened? He says, you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. They said, we're Abraham's descendants. Okay? This whole freedom thing you're talking about, that's what I, I envisioned it this way. This is what they said. And um, because we're his descendants, we've never been in bondage to anyone. Okay? So cute message, Pastor Mark, in your wife's jeans. But I've never been in bondage to anyone. And how can you say, how can you say then you will be made free if we've never been in bondage to anyone? You know it yet? That's the goal. Watch. Jesus' response. Um, he says, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Slave does not abide in the father's house forever but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Funny verse. We have never been in bondage to anyone. Jesus is probably thinking only the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, and as we talk, the Romans. Who is he talking to? Believers. Say, who's talking to? And I'd like to give us a working definition before we have a good time today and have some fun, make some laughs. That bondage, which I'm going to talk about today, which before you don't tune out on this, bondage is so important to understand. Bondage, here, here clearly, is a, is a powerful word that is basically, it's a consistent, long-standing cycle of sin. Bondage is any impulse or compulsive behavior that restricts us from the freedom that Jesus died to give us. I'll jump back to that definition later, but I want to work with that today. Someone say far, far away. Let's pray. We're going to have a good time. God, I just thank you for the opportunity.
to be at my favorite place on a Sunday morning. I would rather be here than, than snowboarding. I'd rather be here than fishing. I'd rather be here than prison. Um, God, I just thank you. This is my favorite place. I love being in your house. We invite you to meet us where we are today, whether we're skeptics, we're superstitious, or we're somewhere in the middle. I pray that, Lord, your love today would invade, Lord, the atheist, the agnostic, the Hindu, the Buddhist, the Muslim, and anybody else that might be watching online or in the tents. Show people how much you love them. Let us have an awesome time together, and we just thank you for another championship for the L.A. Lakers. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone said amen. Amen, amen. Uh, anybody uh, ever wonder why parents travel with kids? I don't know if you ever contemplated why we do this to ourselves. And if you don't have kids yet, you don't know what I'm talking about. You think you do because you've been on an airplane with crying kids on the plane. But being on an airplane with a crying kid that's yours is different than just hearing one on the plane. Can I get an amen? I took my Kinsey, who's now 12, uh, to Disney World. I think she was about three or two and a half or something. And she either had an ear infection or a bad attitude. But she cried consecutively from Boise, Idaho to Orlando, which only took about six months, on Southwest, which is the Greyhound bus of the sky. And um, we got to Disney World, and uh, I'm like, man, why are we doing this to ourselves? You know? I, I went to Disney World, and I'm like, my kids are demon-possessed here. I'm refinancing my house to pay for it. And it's a magical place. I get it. I mean, people say it's a ma it is a magical place. It's the only place that you can walk 42 miles a day, 114-degree weather, 200% humidity, still gain weight. It's magical. I I'll give you that. It's a magical, stinking place. Demon-possessed kids, gaining weight. It's magical. I, I, I have kids and just traveling. I have a, I have a, you know, a five-year-old right now, Chloe, and... She's really smart, but she doesn't quite have a grid yet for distance, time, or geography. Just doesn't kind of compute at this point. We go on road trips, and she's asking, Daddy, how much, how much longer, further? You know, it's like, all right, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's worth answering that question. Because the truth is, Chloe, you're five. Um, and uh, it's not really a worthy cause, you know, to try to inform the fact that you don't know the difference between four feet and 1,100 miles. I love you. You're going to get it. Uh, you don't know it yet, but right now you don't know what one hour versus six months is. Um, you're having a hard time distinguishing between Big Bear and California. She thinks they're different. It's very cute. And she thinks that Papa's cabin is not Idaho, which is actually in Idaho. So she goes, I want to go to Idaho and I want to go to Papa's cabin. That's good. I would say traveling with kids is about as leisure as cross-country skiing uphill. It's about as uh, relaxing as sitting in a shark cage. And uh, I would say it's as peaceful as a stomach flu. Um, but when I'm with my five-year-old and I'm explaining to her time and geography and, and distance, usually it comes down to two ideas. I either say we're close or we're far, far away. It's no in-between. And so usually if I say far, far away, the questions stop. And I'm like, there's peace. <laughs> so I want to talk to you today about far, far away. Go with me to Exodus real fast. I want to read this, and I'll kind of give you the reason why I uh, told you to title this message, Far, Far Away. Exodus chapter 8. 
It's actually the story of the ten, the ten plagues, if you remember, that God actually did great miracles to eat, to, to liberate. Three million people were in slavery for 400 years. Catch this. 400 years, three million people in slavery to the, na- to the nation of Egypt. And it says this, that God came with a mighty hand, heard the cries of the people, raised up Moses and ten mighty plagues. I'm not going to get too deep into this today, but catch this. I was studying through Exodus this week, and God gave me a download. And the first thing I wanted you to catch uh, about this download is, is after, after uh, the fourth plague, I believe it was, we see here the flies came in, 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 in strong numbers. And I believe, write this in your notes today, I believe that we have no clearer picture to the agenda of the devil yeah. than through the visible presence of Pharaoh. Yeah. Pharaoh, in many ways, reveals the heart of hell. Yeah. It reveals the heart to keep God's people in bondage. This story of Exodus is, yes, it is a factual, true story, but it is also a symbolic illustration of what God desires today to do for his people. He doesn't want us to live in bondage. He doesn't want us to serve taskmasters. He doesn't want us to live in a world that's, that we're, we're, we're under it and not leading it. And many people, they, they live their entire lives. Romans 6, 16 says, whoever you choose to obey, you are that one slave. If you obey your alcohol addiction, you're a slave to alcohol. If you, if you uh, yield to your partying addiction, you're a slave to partying. You're a slave to pornography. You're a slave to entertainment or sports. There's a lot of slaves that, that people can be, uh, a lot of, a lot of t- tyrants we can be in bondage to. And I know this doesn't get a lot of airtime in our society, but I find with the rates of suicide rising, depression rising, anxiety rising, fear rising, we have more materially than any generation's ever had. And yet we are in deeper bondage than maybe any generation has ever been. I read a survey that said 72% of people will die within 60 miles of where they were born and raised. 72%. And I had this conviction as God was speaking to me. He said, Mark, that's true spiritually too. People get saved out of Egypt and they don't make it very far out. Many people die close to where Jesus saved them. And God told me this week from this very cute story about my, my five-year-old. He said, Mark, tell my people that I don't want them to die in the Egypt that I found them in. I want them to get out and I want them to get far away. Far, far away. Can I get a good amen? And here we find in Pharaoh the agenda of hell. Read this with me, verse 25 of chapter 8. Pharaoh called Moses and said, go sacrifice to your God. But watch what he says, in my land. And then he goes on in verse 28 and he says, all right, I'll let you go. Watch what it says, verse 28. I'll let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. You shall not go, say it with me, far away. I want, you to, I want you to catch some of these things today. I was reading through this, and again, I believe Pharaoh represents the agenda of darkness in humanity. Catch a few things. Number one, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you a few, few notes today. I believe that hell's agenda is to keep people in bondage. Every one of you, you were born with some sort of sin proclivity. I don't care what it was, if it's anger, rage, lying, perversion, all of us are bent by the Adamic nature. The Bible says in Romans, through one man's act of disobedience, all of humanity fell under the curse of Adam. 
But, one, but through the act of one righteous man, the second Adam's, his obedience, all of us have the opportunity to be born into a new nature. People make arguments, well, I was born this way. So I was born this way too. I was born with darkness. I was born with generational dysfunction, toxic mindsets, explosive attitudes. I have a lot of things that I could defend, but I've learned this. When a serial killer is at large, I'm not going to let him stay in my house. Charles Manson's cruising through Orange County. You don't go, well, we have an extra room. He doesn't have a place to stay. You would never harbor a serial killer because you'd be scared that he might kill you. But many people in our society today, they go, well, this thing might kill my kids and my marriage, but I have an extra room. And I heard the heart of God saying that we're not going to stay close. We're going to get far away. Are you hearing me today? And I want to show you the sequential order of what God showed me. He said, number one, if the devil can, his number one goal is to keep people in bondage. Again, bondage is compulsive or impulsive behavior that is below the level that Jesus died to give you. You see the commercial, you can't look away. You, you're around the computer alone, you go back to that spot. You, you start taking the pills, start cutting yourself. You start thinking the thoughts. You start having, are you hearing me today? There's, there's a myriad, there's a laundry list of humanity's darkness. And there's bondages. And the first thing, again, to the skeptic, he wants you to believe this, that there's no such thing as bondage. I'm just a human that has struggles. Struggles real. It's just a little struggle. How long have you had your little struggle? 40 years. What's that little struggle costed you? Two marriages. Three jobs. My kids hating my guts. I don't know if I would call it a little struggle. I'd call it Charles Manson living in your, your guest bedroom. I'd say it's time if he's in there that we're going to kick that dude out. Can I get an amen? I don't know if I can clap at that. You're not supposed to talk about this in church. Just get people to heaven. I'm tired of people that are going to heaven but dying in Egypt. God got you out of Egypt, but you died a hundred yards outside the city gates. Say it with me, the promised land. Come on, tell me that the promised land is, is God's desire for all of you guys. A land that we're not slaves to what we grew up being in bondage to. This doesn't get a lot of airplay today. And I think that the evidence of not getting a lot of airplay is you have a lot of Christians that are believers that are living in bondage. I'm going to keep rolling, but look, hell's agenda is bondage. That's why he said, let my people go. Watch what it says here, that they might serve me. I want you to catch this today. The number one reason why Christians in the North American world don't usually experience freedom is because they desire freedom for themselves. All the self-help sections, not against self-help, but I'm saying this. Something greater called God help. Okay? But watch this. Very important. Is God says to Moses, I've heard their cry. Therefore, go there and tell Pharaoh to let my people go that they might come and worship me on this mountain. What is the purpose of liberty and freedom? It's to get close to God. Many people desire freedom, but they want to be free so they can have more of their energy, more of their time back. So I can have more me time. It's a good name for a song. I, I want you to know is that we want to actually, we, we think about freedom for ourselves. And God says, no, I want to liberate you so you can be intimate with me. I want you to be free so you know the power of worship. Some of you don't have an appetite for worship because you've never tasted his freedom. 
I promise you that when you taste the freedom that only God gives, you'll start singing, even if you're not a singer. Miriam started dancing. I don't think she was a dancer. I'm going to guess that girl did not have any rhythm. Her TikTok game is weak. But I tell you, friends, that she was dancing like David. Why? Because she experienced the power of God's deliverance. Explain it in a second. Watch the progressional stages of hell is they want you in bondage. If they can't keep you in bondage, step two is this. It says in Exodus chapter 8, step two is, all right, Pharaoh, representing the devil, says, all right, you can go sacrifice to God as long as you stay in the land. Say with me, in the land. Go to church on Sunday as long as you stay in the land the rest of the week. I'm cool. Go to Oceans on Sunday as long as you're in my land on Friday nights, Saturday nights, you're sneaking out during the week on Wednesdays, as long as you're doing my deeds in my land the rest of the week, you can go sacrifice. If he can't keep you in bondage, now I, wanna, I used this illustration last service, it's almost like buying a car that there's back and forth negotiations. You go in, I'm like, I'll pay 20000 for that car, which will buy you, I don't know, a scooter, right? Just go with me, Orange County. So I go and I say, I'll give you 20000 The guy at the dealership goes, no, 60000 I'm like, all right, 25000 He's like, 55000 All right, 30000 45. All right, 35, 40, fine. Sold. There's this back and forth. I want you to see the story of Exodus. He says, they're going to stay in bondage. He says, no, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Where's the snow? Right? I was kidding. Say, <laughs> like, no, we're, we're getting out. And when he said we're getting out, watch what Pharaoh says. Okay, fine, you can go. Here's my compromise, but you got to stay in the land. Wow. Moses' response says, no, we're not staying in the land, bro. We're going far away. Three days journey. We're going to sacrifice out in the woods. And then he's like, all right, if I can't get you to stay in the land, how about number, number three is you can go, verse, verse 28 of chapter 8 of Exodus, you can go, but don't go very far. If hell can't keep you from, from leaving the land, it'll let you leave as long as you don't leave it very far. Like maybe I'll be far enough away from that Egyptian mentality for like 10 days six weeks he'll give me enough freedom that i'll be free but not enough freedom that i can stay far away from it you can go off the land but here's the next negotiation but don't go too far and it goes on beyond that he says no we're gonna go far pharaoh we're leaving he's like no you're not yes we are we're leaving we're gonna go far we're gonna go far far away god's gonna get us out of this bondage so then then here's hell's response all right that's what you want you realize you can be free you can go, but here's the deal. I don't want everybody going, just some of you. That's what he says. It's found in chapter 10, verse 11. He says, you can go, but only some of you, just the males. Say it with me, just the males. Why is it significant, preacher? Because here's what the devil knows. If, you know, if he knows that you're hungry to get out of bondage, and he knows that you're not happy living in his land, and he knows that you're going to go further than just staying close, he's going to say, fine, you can go, but no one else in your family can. And throughout history, I don't have time to get into it, and I'd, I'd kick some sacred cows if I did. But throughout history, the devil has always attacked the family unit. Always. Take the males, but not the females. Not the kids. You can, guys can do it, but not the, other, not the older generation. Not the younger generation. You can go off the land, but not too far. Okay, if you're going to go far, just you go. You're going to be the only Christian in your family. You're going to be the only one that I let get out of this darkness. 
And here's the problem is it's not biblical because God is a God of households. Desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Cornelius had his whole house in his house when they encountered God. The jailer goes back to the house. Everyone in his house gets saved. Throughout scriptures, God has poured out his spirit on households. Hell's agenda is you're going to stay in bondage. No, I'm not. Okay, fine. You go, but no one else. Uh, how about no? How about I'll go first, but we're all going. And then notice his response. All right. Here's, here's, the, here's the salesman, right, and the devil. He goes, fine, you, you, you can go. You guys have to, if, you, if you're going to go through all these negotiations, you can go, Pharaoh says. But he says this in chapter 10, verse 24. You can go, but um, with your families, but you got to leave your herds and your flocks here. What does that mean, preacher? It means that the devil, if he knows that you're, you're adamant about being free, and he knows your family's adamant about being free, he'll attack you in your livelihood. He'll say, oh, you, you, you want to, okay, I'll let you go, but you're, I'll let you go, but I don't want you to sacrifice anything that's significant. You know why they weren't supposed to go out in the woods? They were supposed to go to the wilderness to sacrifice and feast before God. You know what's hard to do? Is have extravagant worship and sacrifices without animals and flocks. And some of you, you don't realize it, but the devil's trying to talk you out. This is it's an attack of actually forfeiting your call, your influences, and your finances. God wants us to worship with everything that we have. So you can worship God, but you're not going to do anything in your career. Uh, actually, yes, I am, devil. You're going to worship God, but you're going to be poor the rest of your life. Uh, no, I'm not, devil. Uh, you're going to worship God, but you have to give up everything that you love and care about. Uh, no, I'm not, devil. Listen to me. I'm not going to leave my flocks and my influence and the grace that God has given me in this land. It's going with me. So he's like, all right, all right, well, fine. And we know the story. Ten plagues hit. Stay with me. They leave, and after they, they let them go, they, they're, they're, they're fabulously wealthy with all the gold and silver they leave Egypt with. Watch the story. They have this remorse. They go, we got to go get these guys. And what I've learned is, is if you experience freedom, there's usually mounted strategic attacks, key moments, that hell almost starts to chase you down again. Yeah. It's like, man, I've been free for six years, six months, six weeks. I haven't struggled with that. I haven't this, that again. I'm doing that anymore. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, I feel like all of hell is coming after me right now. Just feel this weird proclivity to, like, want to go back to this vomit, that evil, that darkness that God rescued me from. What do you do in those moments that they're chasing you down? And you feel what used to have control over you coming after you again. I want to remind you what killed them will, will kill your enemies in your mind, in your heart, and your family today. What was it? It was the water. He opened up his, he lifted his rod. They crossed the Red Sea. Notice the story. It says when they got through it, the water caved in on the Egyptians. And all those devils and demons from your family, the, the alcohol abuse, the cocaine addictions, the, the adultery, the, the lying, the stealing, the fear, the anxiety. It was literally all floating in the water dead because the waters drowned them. You know what the water is in life? I'll tell you what the water is. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. What does it say in 2 Corinthians chapter 3? It says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. 
Some of you have never experienced freedom because you've never opened up your heart to the Spirit of God. I believe that you say, Holy Spirit, I look, I can feel the spirit of lust. I can feel the spirit of greed. I can feel the spirit of that lying that just, it's in my family. We exaggerate. We this, we that. I'm telling you, when you feel that creeping into your house, I dare you. I dare you when you're home alone, whatever's going on, and you just, in your home, you go, in Jesus' name. That spirit that I feel right now, I command you to leave this room. I remember when God was bringing me out of perversion. I, you guys many of you know my story. I was addicted to pornography at a young age. Grew up in an Egyptian place. I mean, just saw things, did things, experienced. I, I lived a dark life. I didn't get saved till I was 18. And when I got saved, it was a progressional journey of getting free. I was on my way to heaven, but I still was thinking like oh, the old life. You pull them out of Egypt, it's hard to get Egypt out of the person, right? And so I'm actually going, man, I don't know why I love Jesus, but I'm still going back to some of these old habits. And I could feel when the spirit would come into the room. And I started out a pastor tell me, he said, Mark, if you feel that familiar thing come into your mind and your heart, take authority over it. What do you mean take authority? Like, like, what do you mean? He's like, take authority over it. Put it in a headlock. He's like, what do you mean? He said, use your words. He says, when you use the name of Jesus, darkness listens. So that's, that's ridiculous. Well, you call it ridiculous, and you can keep living a victim of that spirit. It's a little weird. Well, no, go into some psychics and mediums and horoscopes. and that, If that's where you get your power from, listen, I think that's weird. I think going to God and saying, Holy Spirit, you are the, you are the king of anything and everything. Just like Moses' rod, what did it do? Says the magicians, they threw their rods down, they turned into snakes like Moses, but Moses consumed all the other snakes. And I believe the Holy Spirit is the power of God that consumes all of the counterfeit powers in this world. Man, that was heavy, but it was good. I'll say it again. Can I get an amen? God is more powerful than all the other powers. And we know this, that the water is what drowned the enemies of God. What waters? The Bible says in Ephesians that God washes us with the water of his words. I'll tell you right now, it is easy to get off track when you're not reading your Bible. Jesus said in John chapter 8, what did he say? If you abide in my word. Problem with some of us is we don't abide in the word. We abide in the gram. We abide in the tube, right? We abide in the the Facebook. We abide in the Twitter. You put Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube together, you got you twit face. And I'm telling you, we got people that are abiding in other things and we're abiding in Facebook instead of abiding with our face in God's book. I promise you that when you start listening to God's word and you can download it today with exotic accents reading it to you, some girl that's got some sweet British accent reading through the book of Leviticus, it sounds interesting. There is no excuse. We have more Bibles, more technology than any other window of history, and we neglect it more than we've ever neglected it. Why, is my, why are my kids addicts? Why am I marriage falling? Why is everybody like making bad choices? I'll tell you right now that bondage, it doesn't, it doesn't care how wealthy you are. Darkness doesn't care what neighborhood you live in, what car you drive. It doesn't even care what your church attendance record is. Going to church makes you free like owning an oven makes you good at baking. It helps but it's not proof by itself. And today, I love it because when they experienced the delivering power of God, they crossed the Red Sea. You know what the two responses were? 
of getting free, it says everybody started singing. Other side of the Red Sea, and we're singing. Didn't drown in the water, and we're singing. I'm telling you, if you've never had a desire to sing to God, it could be that you've never tasted the quality of his delivering power. I sing every week. I lost my voice first service singing, and it wasn't because I'm a good singer. I'm not. My friends remind me that I'm not. My wife reminds me I'm not. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Um, but I sing, and I sing because I remember where I was at with God's mighty hand outstretched arm got a hold of me i sing out of gratitude that my daughters will never see the pain that i saw never lived in the environments that i grew up in didn't have the fear and the in the in the, the pressure and the I'm, i sing because of the depth of gratitude in my heart are you with me and it says that when they crossed over the red sea the two things they did is they sang exodus 15 1 and they danced. Worship is humanity's natural reflex to deliverance. Can I say it again? Worship is humanity's natural reflex to deliverance. Something like, well, I'll, I'll come 30 minutes into service. I'll skip the music part because I'll come for the good part. And you think the good part is the message because the message is about you. But the music is the only part of the service that's about God. And the reason why you don't care about that part of the service is because all you're living for is what God is doing for you instead of thanking God for what he's already done. Worship reminds us God's power to deliver, to rescue, to save, to refresh, to drown the enemies of our families. I promise you that worship is, a, is the natural reflex of those that have been redeemed by God's power. The Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, when his work happens in your family, your natural response is to begin to bubble up and to overflow with gratitude. Yeah. In your car by yourself, singing to God. Yeah. Just butchering every hill song ever written. <laughs> right? Making Chris Tomlin sound terrible. <laughs> but it doesn't matter, man, because to God, it's the most beautiful thing he's ever heard. Song of the redeemed. Song of the liberated. Song of those that were in slavery but had tasted freedom. I'm telling you that what you don't kill in your family will go after your kids. And I'm telling you, this is going to be a church. God told me before we moved here, he said, Mark, Oceans will be a giant killing church. It'll be a church that Goliath cannot live in. The Goliaths of divorce and the Goliaths of, of abuse and overdosing and substances and, 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 and generational sins and proclivities. How many believe that the giants need to fall? And I'm going to wrap this up, but I want you to grab three big ticket items. Very simple, but I want you to wrap your head around it today. It's like money. It's easy to understand, but it's sometimes hard to live out. Is that all right? We all know it. Like, all right, don't spend as much as you make. Easy. Like, where'd my money go? <laughs> Same thing with God's kingdom. First thing I want you to understand is wrap your mind around this. Is number one, three simple points, and we'll land. Number one, I want you to know, according to John chapter 8, it is possible to believe and to still be in bondage. I want you to wrap your head around this because you'll never get free if you don't believe you're in bondage. Well, I'm not, I don't know, freedoms for somebody else. It's usually when you're thinking about someone else that God's like, uh, that's you, Jethro. 
That's you. Man, I wish Steve was here today. That's a good message for Steve. My wife needs to hear that. No, no, dude, stop worrying about them. Open up your heart today. I promise you, according to John 8, he says, look, Jews, you believe in me. Here's what you got to understand is that you, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you don't believe that it's possible to be in bondage, I don't believe that believers can be demon-possessed. I don't believe that there's theological premise for that. But I do believe that we can be influenced by darkness. I want you to think about this. If you own a house and you leave the front door open and you come home and there's someone in your house stealing from you, let me ask you a question. Just because he's in your house, does he own it? That's possession. He doesn't have possession of you because he doesn't own the house. But what he does have is he has legal intrusion. He's, you've left the door open, so he's in there vandalizing your insides. And I believe that a believer, when they ask Jesus and his spirit into their lives, you can no longer be under the possession of a dark spirit. But I do believe that through willful disobedience to God, you can open up the doors in your heart and go, I don't know why, it's just so weird, Pastor. Every time I watch those horror movies, I have bad dreams. Well, I just don't get it. I love the Lord. I don't know why, but I listen to like the death metal. I just think my blood pressure rises and I start yelling at people. It's just, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. Like, I, I watched naked people for like six hours and I just, all I could think about is bad naked things. It's like, well, you open the door you let them in and the reason why you feel tormented on the inside it's not because God's not good Solomon writes he said people make bad decisions that ruin their lives and then blame God how true is that if God was real I wouldn't be in this dark situation how about you take some ownership over you opening up some doors maybe if I didn't have a defiant spirit make these rebellious decisions throw my fingers up, middle fingers up to the, to the church and say, that's for my parents, not for me. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to be a renegade Christian. I'm going to serve God on my own terms. I'm going to be a sidewalk prophet. I don't need the local church. You have that rebellious renegade spirit and you wonder why there's no fruit. God does not bless rebellious. He's not into that defiant spirit. Are you with me? And I'll tell you today, first thing that we're going to do if we're going to be a free church is we have to acknowledge that it's possible to be going to heaven and to still have Egypt in our minds and our hearts. Okay? First thing we're going to understand. Second thing, you still with me today? Did I lose you? Did I offend you? If you're upset by this message, you can email me at Joel Faust. All right. Number two, write this down. It's difficult to admit bondage. It's very, come on, it's like money. Spend less than you make. Easy. No, difficult. All right, check this out. Save money. Easy, difficult. Invest in your 401k. Easy, difficult, right? Live under your means. All right. Dang it. Orange County. Come on, hey. Watch. Easy but difficult. Listen to this. Difficult to admit that there's bondage in your life. What did the believers say? We're Abraham's descendants. Okay? 
And that's nice, a little message about getting free from compulsive and impulsive behavior that did not honor the work that Jesus died on the cross to give us. That's a cute message, sir. But I just have a little struggle, okay? Struggle's real. I'm just a dude. Everybody's doing it. And I'm way better off than John that I work with in the office. It's not a little issue. And I'm telling you, as long as you're cool with Charles Manson living in your guest bedroom, there's always going to be a possibility of something dying in your life. The story of King Saul is, is the giants that he didn't deal with were actually, the descendants of those giants were the ones that actually ended up taking him out. And the giants that he didn't kill end up killing his own kids and grandkids. So, moral of the story is that what we don't deal with will deal with us. Write it down. What I do not deal with will deal with us. Remember the story of John chapter, chapter, uh, chapter nine, Mark chapter 9. The demon-possessed boy. The father says, if you can do anything. I love Jesus' response. He says, if you, if you can believe. The guy says, if you, Jesus, can do anything. He's like, well, I can do everything. How about if you can believe? All things are possible to him who believes. Some of you today are like, well, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm in bondage, really. I'm, it's like, I don't, you know. It's not that, I'm, just, I'm just a guy. I'm telling you that you'll, write this down, you'll always be tempted at where you say no. Problem with most of our generation, why there's so much divorce, there's so much brokenness, there's so much dysfunction, is we're saying no at the cliff. This death right here, this is divorce. This is my kids hating me. This is my... This is my, my life falling apart, my world shattering. Okay, I'll say no right here. I'll enjoy all of this. Stop here. Enjoying this? Stop in here. But here's the, here's the choice you have, I have. We choose where we say no. I'm not going to have an affair, but I'll... I'm not going to like... But I'll go to the strip club. Well, I won't act with a person, but I'll I'll do it. I'll have thoughts in my mind. I won't cheat on my tat. I won't steal the money. I won't I won't cut. I won't lie. I won't. We choose where we say no. In many ways, the devil will tempt us where we tolerate him. We tolerate him. I'm cool with you. I'm telling you, if he can get you to stay in his land, or not go too far away from where God found you. Don't go too far away. I love this. It's difficult. It's hard to admit. We've never been in bondage to anyone, anyone says. <laughs> so funny. Except the Egyptians, Babylonians, Chaldeans, and the Romans. Okay? Other than that, we've never been in bondage to anybody. Just tobacco, cocaine, heroin, pain meds, and muscle relaxers. Other than that. Okay, I'm good. And I got friends who are way more screwed up. Do not play the comparative game. Who are you going to compare yourself to? How about this? Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. So, repentance, if you want to write this down, don't use this word anymore. Anyway, another rare word in the church. Repentance is um, taking God's side against yourself. It's not making excuses. Well, I just, I was just, I was just mad. So I cussed him out and gave him two one-finger waves in the church parking lot on the way out. They took my spot. Rather than defending dysfunction, you go, you know what? I'm sorry I was wrong. Will you forgive me? 
Those, those words, nine words, seven words, nine words, those words will save your marriage, could save relationships with your kids, could save your job, could save relationships in your school, your family. I'm sorry I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Write it down. I'm sorry I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I'm not writing that down. I'm not apologizing. Well, there's your problem. Shots fired. Never been in bondage to anybody. It's just a little weakness. It's a small struggle that I've had for four decades. It's claimed my jobs, my wife, my kids. It's a small struggle. What walks in fathers runs in sons. And I believe that if I don't slay some of these giants, it's going to attack my kids. And I'm telling you, if you don't want to be motivated for you, be motivated for the next generation. Because just like heart disease runs in families and sometimes cancer can run generationally, I'm telling you, some of that darkness will come generation after generation. Divorce, substance abuse, alcohol abuse, uh, uh, domestic violence. If you don't get aggressive and call it what it is, it's bondage. It's not my personality. Well, I was just born this. I don't care what you were born with. I'm telling you that he told Nicodemus at night, Nick at night, you got to be born again. Nick's like, do I got to go back inside my mother's womb? Jesus is like, that's nasty. No. What you need to do, Nick, at night is you need to be born brand new. That's what's born of flesh is flesh. That's what's born of spirit is spirit. And it's the spirit of God that overcomes the flesh nature of our world. I promise you I'm not lying. Jack Hayford said, I cannot disciple demons and I cannot cast out my flesh. All of us have a flesh nature that needs discipline. And all of us are susceptible to dark powers that need to be kicked out. I disciple my flesh and I evict the darkness. In Jesus' name, that spirit of greed, get out of here. Spirit of materialism, leave. That spirit of fear and anxiety, depression, that spirit of death. I sense suicide. You get out of here right now. Holy Spirit, evict the darkness in this tent online I promise you where the spirit of the Lord is it's the water that drowned the chariots we we experience freedom when we realize it's hard to admit it write this down you'll know the truth truth will set you free the level of your honesty will determine the level of your freedom there's two powerful verses that I don't have time to get in today but John talks about, First John says, if you confess your sins to God, he'll forgive you. James chapter 5 says, if you confess your sins to people, you'll be healed. Here's the problem with the North American church at large, is we have people that have confessed to God and are forgiven, but they never change because they never confess their sins to a person and get healed. It's almost, this, here's the illustration, you get stung by a bee, you kill the bee, it's confessing your sins to God, God kills it, you're forgiven. But as long as the stinger is in your arm, venom is still being put in. And that is what we do through telling our wife, our husband, our accountability partner, hey John, hey Bruce, hey Bill, whatever it is, hey Rochelle, last night, this was going through my head, last night I stepped into this, I did that, I acted out, I said that, I shouldn't have said this, did this, gone there. Listen, I, I, I can't, I, I screw up, I still am not perfect, I'm, on, I'm under construction like the rest of us, but I'll tell you this, the one thing I've learned and I can stand before you on the stage today. 
is every one of my low moments the last 37 years of my life have been confessed to God and they've been confessed to another person my wife my accountability partner I don't have any skeletons in my closet I prefer to use my skeletons for vacuums and clothes not secrets I'm not saying these things I'm going to the grave with this secret no you're not Jesus went to the grave he went to the grave so you can get out of your grave stop harboring that shame well, if I tell somebody, they'll never forgive me. Though they will forgive you. If God can forgive you, God will bring forgiveness to other people. Don't live with secrets. Because the, sin is like vampires that can't live in the light. The more you expose the darkness in your soul, the freer you get. Even last night, I was talking to Rashad. She said, babe, I'm so grateful how far God has brought me. But there's still things in me that I don't like. And I told her, I just, I, I laid out the thing. I said, Mark, Michelle, these are the three areas. It's like, God, would you pray for me? I want to be even more aggressive with my thoughts than I have ever been. I, I feel like when the Holy Spirit saturates my mind, I just want to surrender more to Him. And I've realized this, that the level of purity determines the level of power. And oftentimes we have limitations with the power God can flow through us because we have so much impurity in our thoughts. Say another little, little rant. You know, Matthew 5 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, they will. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will. The what? The what? You know what prophets were called in the Old Testament? Seers. Seers. How many want to hear God's voice? That's being prophetic. Okay? It's not weird. It's like, well, that was all bad. False prophets. Listen, if there's false prophets, that means there's real prophets too. Put your ease there, cowboy. Listen. So, Check this out. So, hearing God is being prophetic. You know why most of our generation is not prophetic? Because Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see. We don't see because we have convoluted hearts. Hearts are so full of verbal pornography, Netflix, idolatry. Let's call it what it is. Game of thongs. Come on, I, I'll be real. Thrones, whatever. We watch this perversion we flood our soul with hell and we're like, I want to be a vessel for heaven to flow through. I want to prophesy. I want to write songs to the Lord. But I want to fill my heart with darkness. You're not going to be prophetic. Because power and purity are linked. Easy. I land. Here we go possible to believe and to be in bondage number two it's difficult to admit bondage number three how about this one it's easy to access freedom to write it down before you give me 15 reasons why it's not easy I want to, I want to explain myself freedom is a person and it's easy to access the person of Jesus Jesus is the road that leads to freedom he is and in the Bible, there's two stories of freedom. There's freedom stories that happen immediately, instantaneously. Wash your eyes right now. In the moment they washed, they were clean. Said the word, and he was healed, right? Women with the issue of blood touched his garment. In the moment she touched him, she was healed. Twelve years of, of money being spent and bleeding and perpetual pain. And in one moment, things changed. There's immediate healings, which I want to let you know, I still believe in that. If it's just me and my wife this morning, that's fine. I don't care if you don't believe it. I'm telling you, I've lived it. 
I had an awful vocabulary. I, I should have been in the Navy with the way I talked. And the moment I got, I had an encounter with God, I was 18. I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm just telling you that when I had my first real, genuine God encounter, I got up off the ground and my desire to curse, cuss, my vulgar vocabulary, the dirty jokes, it just left. I cried for an hour and a half on the ground. I said, God, why did I cry? Why did I ugly cry? Why was there snot spider webs? Why was I... For an hour and a half, he said, Mark, you spent 18 years filling your heart with garbage. And I cleaned you with my Holy Spirit. And I can tell you that since then, my kids don't know me as a cusser. My wife doesn't know me as a cusser. I don't just keep it clean on Sundays. Come on. God healed me in a moment. But I'll tell you, my pornography addiction, that was a journey. And if you read the Bible, two types of freedom stories. A media, and the other story is, as they walked with Jesus. I want to give you hope today. Two stories today in these tents. Immediate healings, which I'm all about those. I prefer those, if I'm being honest. Who prefers immediate? Come on, hot pocket, come on. Hot pocket miracle. Let's go right now. Hot pocket, lava pocket, come on, miracle right now. Immediate. Second miracle is as I walk with him. I want to chat. Well, what, what if I leave today and I still have a temptation? You keep walking with him. I have found that the longer I've walked with him, the more I start walking like him. So I, I pray as we close that we would understand that it's easy to access free, freedom that's in Jesus, whom the Son makes free, free indeed. Some things we counsel out. I'm not against counseling. I'm, I'm for counseling. But I would say there are still some things that we cast out. We don't negotiate with those spirits. We don't say, yeah, you can stay in the land. You, I'll go, but not too far away from you. We kick those things all the way out. Finally, is I believe this with all my heart, is uh, there's no one, listen to me very clear, right? This is my most important things I say today. There is no one listening to me or watching me right now that has so much darkness in your life that you can't make it to Jesus. There's not one. How do you know that, preacher? You don't know where my family comes from. My mom was a witch. My dad was a warlock. I'm into the occult. Listen to me. There was a guy. So, listen, if you're wearing clothes right now, you're in better shape than a guy in a Bible. Mark chapter 5, verse 6 says there was a guy that had a legion of demons in him, which legion is like 600, no, 6,300 troops. So when he says legion with his little exorcist girl voice, freaks everybody out, he's naked. Listen, when he says my name is legion for we are many, he's saying there's at least 6,000 demons living inside of me. And what I want to bring your attention to is verse 6 of chapter 5 of Mark. It says this powerful phrase, when the demon possessed man that had thousands of devils, saw Jesus, watch what it says, he ran to him and he worshiped him. The demons couldn't stop him from running to Jesus. And there is no one today in this room watching or online that has any darkness inside of you that could ever prevent you from willfully pursuing and going after the freedom that is found in our Savior. If you believe it, stand to your feet, give him a hand clap, and a shout. Hey! Liberty, liberty. For someone that you have drugs even in your pockets today, 
And I'm telling you that if you, the Lord says, there is an altar in this tent, and if you'll lay it at my altar, I will remove the desire for those drugs. I don't care if it's heroin, if it's weed, I don't care if it's pills. God says, whatever you bring to me, I will take it today, and it will return no more. I sense freedom in this place, generational freedom. Some of your kids are never gonna know the heroin that ruined your mom's life, your grandma's life, that started to ruin your life when you were 13. Not gonna know it because when you were in your 30s and your 40s, you made a decision to bring something to the altar. God, I wanna know your truth. Spirit of God, would you drown the darkness? Would you drown the demons? Would you drown the, the darkness that's trying to invade my family, my mind, and my life? I'm not dying in this place. I'm dying far away from Egypt. I'm dying in God's promised land. I'm dying in the land of milk and honey. I'm not dying with this Egyptian mentality. I'm not a slave anymore of this stuff. I am free indeed. And I'm telling you right now, I feel his freedom coming, but it's going to happen as we invite him in. As God moves in, darkness moves out. As God moves in, darkness moves out. You don't change yourself, you invite the changer in. When the changer moves in, you start getting changed. Transform people, transform cities. Transform churches, transform regions. We get transformed by the renewing of our minds. It is the power of God's Spirit that touches our minds. He's here. We invite, we open up, we're your vessels. I'm your vessel. I'm your temple. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm kicking out any spirit, any darkness in my mind, from my dad, from my mom, the depression, the addictive mentalities, the addictive personality, God, even the perpetual lying, the foul language, I don't care what it is. God says if, it, if you'll bring it to the altar, he'll take it. I'm your vessel. God, I'm your servant. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. Come on, let's invite him in. Let's invite him in. I'm your vessel. I'm your vessel. Sing that again. Vessel, empty vessel, empty vessel. Vessel, empty vessel. I'm your vessel. Yes, Jesus, I'm your vessel. Sing it again. I'm your vessel. Empty vessel, empty vessel, empty vessel. I'm your vessel. Spirit of God, I'm your vessel. Holy Spirit. Empty vessel, empty vessel, empty vessel. And I'm your vessel. And I'm your vessel. We declare it all. Empty vessel, empty vessel. Today. We receive your freedom. 
I've never done this before, ever, all the years being a pastor. Hey, Mike, a couple of the guys, can we grab like, maybe like three trash cans, four trash cans? I'd like to bring one to the front here, maybe one in the back right here, maybe one in the back out here, and maybe one on the exit out. Listen to me if you're in the tents today. I feel like the Holy Spirit says there's, there's two things. There's things that you're addicted to, and there's darkness that you want to leave. And I believe today we're going to do something prophetic. We're going to do a natural step and a, a kind of a spiritual step. That we have a trash can up here. And I want to do things. If it's drugs, if it's heroin, cocaine, if it's weed, if it's vaping, I promise you whatever you give God, I just feel I have faith today that God could use today as a day to remember that that was the day. My grandpa, he walked into a William Branham meeting in Chicago at the baseball stadium. They were healing miracles that were happening. It's a full baseball stadium. This little preacher, William Branham, was preaching. And my grandpa, he, he didn't know Jesus. He pointed at the most sick person in the room. She was on a stretcher from an from a, a, a ambulance. She was all decrepit. Her, her limbs were all in. She weighed 70 pounds. She was green. She had hours, moments to live. And my grandpa pointed at her and he said, if you heal that lady, I will serve you the rest of my life. And he said about 45 seconds after he prayed that prayer, that little preacher, William Branham, got off the stage, walked through the crowd of the baseball stadium, grabbed this little lady by the hand. He said, in, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you're not going to die today. You didn't come here to die. You came here to live. She got up. Her arm broke loose. Her other arm broke loose. Her legs came out. She stood up on her own with him holding her hand. She began to walk with him. She began to run with him. And she began to jump up and down. She got healed in front of thousands of people. My grandpa was a skeptic. He knew that God was real in that moment. 
And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that alcohol is, is a sin. I'm not saying tobacco is a sin. I'm not saying that weed or I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not playing that religious game. I'm telling you, you know what is an idol to you. You know what's attached to darkness in your soul. Someone having a glass of wine for whatever and your family being wrecked by wine. You know that it needs to go. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying today, I just sense it. My grandpa, you know, he saw that and he went into the bathroom afterwards. He had a tobacco pipe, which again, I'm not saying tobacco pipes are the devil. But to my grandpa, that led to who he used to be in Egypt. My grandpa threw his tobacco pipe in the trash. He didn't smoke tobacco the rest of his life. I'm into walking with Jesus, freedom, but I'm also into immediate. I have faith that today is an immediate freedom. Some of you, you're addicted to painkillers, muscle relaxers, bath salts, heroin, cocaine. I don't care what it is, but I believe the Lord told me that I saw a vision when I was singing. I saw drugs sitting at the bottom of our trash cans. I saw maybe even a weapon that you've been hurting yourself with, maybe a knife you've been cutting yourself with. Saw it going in the trash cans. I saw some of you writing a note, and it's not a suicide note. It's you breaking up with suicide. Some of you are going to write down on a piece of paper. I'd encourage you, if you have a piece of paper, to grab it. If it's lust, if it's depression, if it's anxiety, I want you to do this. This is not some like like motivational conference. This is me telling you what I feel the Holy Spirit saying. If you'll write it down and say, I'm bringing it to the water today. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit that as I put it in the Red Sea, that God would drown it. Alcoholism, pornography, I don't care what it is. I dare you to get a piece of paper. If you don't have something on you physically, grab a piece of paper from somebody in a pen. And I want you to write down what you're asking the Holy Spirit to heal you from today. That's inconvenient. Well, I've never seen any great miracles that were usually convenient. Usually someone going, I'm going to keep yelling until I get his attention. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Everyone's like, shut up. This is embarrassing. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Who did he stop for? He stopped for the person that went further. Well, I'm going to hurry. I got to go. Is it really worth leaving five minutes early so that you can live the rest of your life in tyranny? I want you a piece of paper right now, and I'm going to ask, we're singing this song one time, and I'll, I'll, I'll pray that we'll, I don't want you to leave unless you absolutely have to leave, but I'm going to give everyone opportunity to get whatever you have. I, there's an atmosphere of faith right now. I don't want to miss it. If you want to get healed, set free, or delivered from a bondage, you write it on a piece of paper, or if you have something physical on you, I just want you to find one of the trash cans. We have one back here. There's two right here. There's one right there. I just want you, we can just get out of our, there's one in the back right there, Andy. I want you to get out of your seats as we sing this song. And my prayer would be is that everyone in this tent would find something to give to God. This is for dysfunctional people. This is for human beings. So if you're free right now, we're going to sing this song one time. I want you to write it down on a piece of paper. If you don't have a piece of paper, do this. Worst case scenario, I want you to grab your empty hand if you don't have paper or pen. And I want you to get out of your seat still as a prophetic act and say, God, today I'm throwing in the generational line. The generational anger, the cheating, stealing. I don't care what bondage it is, we're getting free. Some of you, you're bitter at the local church because of what the, the church did to your family. I want you to take unforgiveness and throw it in the trash today. Whatever we put in the water, God's going to drown. These trash cans are the river today, the Red Sea today. We'll sing this song. Go ahead, just as you feel led. We'll be out of here in five minutes.
ahead, get out of your seats as you feel led. Yeah. Always takes a few leaders to start. Go ahead. here after the service you didn't have a chance there's maybe more that God brings to your mind I really we've never done this before but I do believe that God even in this atmosphere is uh he's he's breaking things off of us I feel his freedom if you feel like God is liberating you today maybe you already came to one of the trash cans I want you to lift your hands as we get ready to close this up today would you lift your hands and I apologize we went about 15 minutes longer than we normally do but we this is a special environment never make excuses for God doing more. So we raise our hands today as a sign of surrender. 
We lift our hands and all over these tents. Would you follow this prayer today? Say, Jesus, I declare you are the Lord of my life. I invite your Holy Spirit to evict generational darkness, addictions, bondage, pathological sins. Would you rid me of the grip of Pharaoh? Bring me far, far away from the Egypt that you rescued me from. Lead me to your promised land. Fill me with your spirit. Direct my life. In Jesus' name. Some of you prayed that prayer. We're almost done. But if you prayed that prayer, and I'll be really honest with you, you prayed it, you meant it. But if you're being very honest, maybe we got to just take a, step, take a step back and go, you know what, I'm not living for Jesus yet. My life's been off track. Maybe you've never been a Christian, or maybe you walked away from God. And as we close this service today, most important decision we're going to make in this atmosphere is not only are you going to get free, but you're going to get free by starting your journey over or starting for the first time with God. We had 100 people last week. We had about 10 people last service. If you're online right now, I'd encourage you to even write something down on a piece of paper. If you have narcotics or whatever it is in your house, throw it in the trash. Believe that online it's just as powerful as in the tents. Do me a favor all over today. If you want to give your life back to Jesus or for the first time, put your faith in Him. I want you to raise your hands on the count of three. Hands are already going up. That's awesome. You can put them up. I'll give you three seconds. One, I want to rededicate my life today. Two, I want to go all the way in. That's me. Raise your real high. That's me. Three. All over, all over, all over. Keep it up. I see four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Keep it up. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. 21, 22, 22 is probably some real high in the back. I can see you. I see 22 for sure. If you're online, just write heart right now. Each H-E-A-R-T, do a heart emoji. 22 people at least, probably more. It's hard to count. A lot of people in these tents. Do me a favor. I want you to pray this prayer. with these Last prayer we'll pray today. And this prayer is the invitation for God to move in. So pray this all over oceans with those 22 plus people. Say, Jesus, I invite you. Be the God, leader, Lord of my life. Would you lead me out of Egypt? Into your promised land. Your presence by day. Your presence by night. Your spirit liberating me from where I come from. Take me far, far away from the darkness I was in. Lead me into your light. Fill me with your love. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. Really encourage, if you don't have a Bible, to get one at our tent. Download it on your phone. If you don't have a church, this is a great church to go to. We'll help you find a church that you'll live around here. But come on, how many believe that God's going to take us far, far away? Come on, give me a hand clap. I love you guys. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.